today we're finishing up a series called Summer Playlist, okay? It's called Summer Playlist. And I don't know if you have uh, been a part of the church the last couple of weeks. If you haven't, I want to kind of recap what we've talked about over the last two weeks. So week one of Summer Playlist was all about joy. It was all about joy and how joy is not the same as happiness. I said joy is not happiness on steroids, okay? Uh, and th- this whole series is all about just taking songs from today, taking songs from, you know, that we might know from the last 50, 60 years, maybe whatnot, and, and applying them and relating them back to the Psalms in Scripture, which are basically just songs. They're poetic things that, that David mostly wrote himself. Okay, and we're taking those and relating them back and then seeing how they are actually very similar and seeing the emotions that were very similar back then that we still have today. Because, you know, we think these Bible guys were some superhero people when really they were just men and women just like you and me that are going through struggles, that are going through hard times, that have the same emotions and feelings that we do. Uh, but yet we get to get a glimpse into what their life was like and how they thought and how they felt. So we're relating those things back to each other. So I played Happy by Pharrell for a little bit and talking about because I'm happy clap along if you feel right that was the song for that week the main one and listen that's we have the happiness okay we have the joy uh, it's two totally different things happiness is what's going on outside of your home when the weather is is crazy outside where do you go you go inside right because the temperature is the same okay and that is what joy is so if you struggle with having joy go back and watch two weeks ago then uh, we talked about sadness so maybe you're not feeling joyful. You're, you're feeling sad in your life, okay? And that, that was last week. What do you do when you have some real stuff that's going on in your life, right? When you're not sure where to turn. Who do you turn to when you're sad? Or what do you turn to, more importantly, when you're sad? Do you turn to the things of the world? Do you turn to alcohol or drugs? Or maybe not something as destructive as those things. But do you turn to maybe social media? Do you turn to food, Right? I talked about how I turn to Whataburger sometimes. You know what I mean? Because Whataburger is just like good food for the soul. You know what I'm talking about? I struggle with that, people, okay? But you know what? We need to turn to Jesus. We need to turn to God. And also, not only that, but turn to a community of people that can sharpen you. Why? Because iron sharpens iron, okay? And so we sharpen each other and we help each other through the sadness that we go through. But ultimately, we need to make sure we turn to Jesus because really, at the end of the day, God is the one that helps us and gives us comfort in our sadness. The Bible says he's near to the broken hearted. amen? So those are the last two weeks, but today, we're talking about something that is just so fun, and that is praise. Come on now, we're talking about praise up in this place, and so uh, we're even going to have a chance at the end of service to praise a little bit more, get that awesome team I was talking about back up here. Uh, But I want to go ahead and get into uh, the passage that we have for you today. I'm not going to read it just yet, but I want you to go ahead and turn there. If you have your Bibles, go to 2 Samuel chapter 6. 2 Samuel chapter 6, we'll start in verse 12. And just in, I want to kind of break down real fast what is, what is praise? You might hear somebody say, praise the Lord. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know why I said it like that, but praise Jesus. Come on now. Like, you got the TV preachers like, praise the Father. You know what I mean? Like, just like really getting into it, you know? It's like, why do we say that? Like, what is this? You know, like, what's this word praise? You, you hear a praise report. You ever heard that word before? That's some Christianese for you right there. Okay. Praise report, what is that? Really, it's just an answer to prayer. That's all that is. It's an answer to prayer. Something I've been praying for for a long time, and now God has, has followed through on his promise, or God has followed through or, or helped me in this. And so, man, this is a great praise report that I have today. But what does the word praise mean? I mean, we talk about praise and worship music, praise and worship music, and it's its own genre now, you know what I mean? Uh, and so are those the same? Are they different? Well, we're not talking about worship today. We're gonna talk about praise. And so let's go ahead and read 
2 Samuel 6, 12 through 23, should be up on the screen for you. Now King David was told, the Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and everything he has because of the ark of God. So David went to bring up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. When those who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps, he sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. Wearing a linen ephod, David was dancing before the Lord with all his might, while he and all Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sound of trumpets. As the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michael, daughter of Saul, watched from a window. When she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. They brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the tent that David had pitched for it. David sacrificed burnt offerings, fellowship offerings before the Lord. After he had finished sacrificing the burnt offerings and fellowship offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord Almighty. Then he gave a loaf of bread, a cake of dates, and a cake of raisins. Come on, who wants some cake? Lord, help me. To each person in the whole crowd of Israelites. We got cake for you all today. No, I'm just kidding. Both men and women, all the people went to their homes. When David returned home to bless his household, Michael, daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and said, How the king of Israel has distinguished himself today, going around half naked in full view of the slave girls of his servants as any vulgar fellow would. David said to Michael, it would, read this with a little bit of, read this with a little bit of oomph. This is like a diss track, okay? That's basically what this is. This is the first diss track that was ever in the Bible. It was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone from his house when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people, Israel. I will celebrate before the Lord and I will become even more undignified than this. I'll be humiliated in my own eyes, but by these slave girls that you spoke of, I will be held in honor. And Michael, daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. Wow. Ouch. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this, <clears throat> this word that you've given me today to, to help us understand what is praise. Father, I pray that you would help us to, to praise uh, in a personal way, in a big way, Lord, because you are a big God and you deserve every last bit of our praise. And all God's people said, amen, mm, mm -mm. amen. amen. So I'm going to give you a little bit of context as to what's going on here, okay? Because this story is just the middle of the story. You know, obviously the Bible is just one big, long love letter to God's people, okay? But really, this is uh, the middle of a story. And so let me give you a little bit of context. David, obviously, is King David. He is the, the king over all of Israel. And they had had the Ark of the Lord stolen. And so he goes and gets it back from the Philistines. He's like, hey, yo, like, give us our Ark back and just defeats all of them. And they take it. And they're like, all right, this is great. Recaptures the Ark of God. And what is the Ark? The Ark is essentially, I'm going to make it real simple, okay? It was basically a box where the Lord's presence rested, okay? It was a way that is a very, very important, important piece of the Israelites' life, and the presence of God literally rested on it. So it was very sacred to them, okay? And very important for them. So they recapture it, and David says, you know what? I'm gonna bring it back to Jerusalem. I want it to be in the city of David, okay? When you hear city of David, that is Jerusalem. That's kind of another name for it. And so I wanna bring it to Jerusalem so it can bless the whole nation, okay? And so what they do is they put it on this cart and they get it on the cart and they try to take it to Jerusalem. It's like, dun, 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 dun. you know, you ever got like a U-Haul trailer? It's got like a like nasty wheel or something like that. It's all just like, dun, 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 dun. you know, it starts to fall off. Okay. And this dude, Uzzah is like, Hey, let me help out. I'm going to make sure it doesn't fall off. And he tries to like grab it and put it back onto the cart. And it says the Lord's anger burned against him because you weren't supposed to touch the ark. 
and he died on the spot, okay? Like the Lord just was like, and you're dead. You know what I mean? It's like, oh my gosh, David was so upset. King David's like, Lord, why did you kill him? He was just trying to help. Like he was trying to make sure it didn't fall off. I mean, like what would have happened if it would have fallen? You know, you think of these natural emotions and then things that David might've thought in that moment. He's very upset about this. And so now David is terrified, okay? David's scared, he's upset. He's even kind of a little bit mad at God for doing that, to be honest. And so he ends up leaving the ark at Obed-Edom's house. And we don't necessarily know too much about Obed-Edom. Uh, he could have been a bodyguard, something like that. But, but what we do know is it leaves it at his house and that his household was blessed immensely because of leaving the ark at his home. So I'm going to kind of break down this passage. We're going to talk about praise, if that's cool with you guys. Is that cool? Let's do it. Now, King David was told, the Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and everything he has because of the ark of God. So you see there was a blessing there. So David went to bring up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. Okay, this is awesome. He sees, okay, I really messed up the first time and this dude died. I was terrified. So I left it there and now his entire household is being blessed. So what does that tell us? And the first point I have for you today is where the Lord rests, the house will be blessed. Where the Lord rests, the house will be blessed. Come on, is anybody that wants your home and your household, your family to be blessed? Can I see a hand up in the air if there's anybody that wants that? Because I want my household to be blessed. You better believe I want my household to be blessed. And listen, when you bring the presence of God into your home, your home will have no other choice other than to be blessed. Isn't that amazing? All you have to do is bring the presence of, the God, into, presence of God into your home. Did Obed-Edom do anything else? Did it, does the Bible say that he made some particular sacrifice or he said some special words or, or, or did some kind of anointing over his home or anything like that? No, 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 no. That's not what he did at all. Nothing. He simply said yes to hosting the presence of God in his home. And then everything else was blessed because of that. Isn't that amazing? He didn't do anything to deserve the blessing that he was given. And what does this blessing look like? You know, we don't really know exactly what the blessing was, but you can kind of infer a few things from the passage. You know, it says that, that he was blessed and then everything he had was also blessed. So it kind of shows, and it's not just him personally, but also his family and also even his possessions and his household and all of the things that he had. So you can kind of infer a few things, maybe that there was some relational healing between him and his family. Maybe if there was some strain there between him and a son or him and a daughter or the kids together. And I'm thinking, you know, Obviously, vegetation and crops were very, very important. I mean, you had to have your own. I mean, that's how you lived. And so I would assume that the land was even blessed and that crops were growing. And there was probably financial prosperity because of that. And, and his business ventures and anything that he touched was just doing well. And then even internally, I would think that maybe there was some joy, right? Some peace, some confidence that he was having, maybe some peace between his kids, maybe some supernatural power that was flowing through their home. And probably more than anything else, just a sense of like that unusual luck, you know, like that just everything just seems to be going well. And, and have you ever felt like that before? You know, like you start reading your Bible a little bit and you start praying a little bit more, you start worshiping a little bit more, and then you just start to realize like, I just feel better. You know what I mean? And it's just like, why do I feel better? I don't really understand this. I haven't done anything differently necessarily. I just started to, to read my Bible and pray a little bit more and now I'm worshiping more and maybe I'm going to church every week and uh, I'm allowing the Lord to, uh, to, to fill my home on a regular basis and, and you don't have to do anything else except for that and your life just starts to get better. 
I've never understood that, but what I think is a lot of people, they say it's, it's maybe an emotional response, but listen, I want to tell you, we play worship music in our house all the time, okay? We play worship music on YouTube. We'll pull it up on a playlist on the TV in the living room, and we just let that thing run. I mean, it, it, you know, we just have all kinds of worship songs that we play, and even just the other day, Lindsay was at the uh, baby shower for Pastor Caroline, our kid's pastor. They're about to have their second child. Come on, like shout out to them. And uh, so she was at the baby shower and Oakland stayed at the house. And I was actually working on this sermon and I actually was just yesterday. I'm working on the sermon and just kind of finishing a few things up and I just put on some worship music and he's just playing with his toys and we got the worship music going. And you know, I really, really just feel like when we have the worship music going on at our house, there is a tangible difference in the atmosphere in that home. I really believe that. And it's not an emotional response. There might be some emotions when you worship, okay? There's gonna be some emotions. I'm gonna be joyful, I'm gonna be happy, or maybe you're just going through some stuff and you just really, you start to cry, whatever. But listen, some people will say, that's just an emotional response. Like you just think that, that something's happening because you're playing the worship music in your home. No, 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 listen, it's not an emotional response. It is a spiritual response. Because when you fill your home with praise, God's presence will rest on it. Can I get an amen? If you want your attitude to get better, you want your kids' attitudes to get better, you better start playing some worship music up in your home, people. Come on. You want some more peace. You want some more joy. Your relationships, uh, prosperity financially. I really do believe that as you host the presence of God in your home and also within you personally, that a lot of things will start to get better. Not necessarily saying that your life's going to be perfect. Okay, We talk about that all the time. It's not that everything's going to be perfect, but listen, you're going to be able to have that, that confidence in God that no matter what I go through, everything's going to be okay. I'm going to be all right, okay? And we can deal with anything that we have going on. So let's move on in this story. When those who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps, he sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. Wearing a linen ephod, David was dancing before the Lord with all his might, while he and all Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and sound of trumpets. So he's dancing. They're having a good time. And you got to think, David was thinking probably initially about the failure that he had had trying to move the ark the first time. That was a pretty big failure. You know, one of his dudes died, okay? And, and the ark almost fell off of the cart. Okay, this is like very, very important, you know, cargo, very important transports, all right? This is not like, you know, just like you're taking a family vacay and one of your backpacks like flies out of the back of the truck or something. No, no, no. This is a very, very important piece of cargo that we got. And it almost fell and somebody died. He's, he's like, oh man, we had no reverence for the ark of God. We had no reverence for it to look back into the scriptures and to figure out how we were supposed to transport it because the Lord had actually given them instructions on how to transport it the correct way. And they were not doing that, okay? And so he goes back to the scriptures. He looks up, how do we do this the right way? And now he's seeing Obed-Edom in his house and he knows that, that this household is being so immensely blessed by the ark of God. And now what is he thinking? Man, I need to get this thing to Jerusalem like I wanted to in the first place. So they take, they get it up and they put it on these poles and they walk in, okay? And there's a, bunch, there's a big process they have to do. And they take six steps. And then it says he makes a huge sacrifice. You ever heard of a huge sacrifice? It's when you go, whew, Lord, help me. Thank you, Jesus. You know, and that's the sacrifice that he made. He took six steps and he was like, oh, Lord, ain't nobody died. This thing's good. We're all right. Everybody good? Okay, like, let's keep moving, okay? He makes that sacrifice. And really, what is he doing? Is he saying, Lord, I'm so sorry that we messed up the first time. I'm so sorry that we were not reverencing your presence because, God, you're just such an amazing God. And we want to make sure we do things the way that you told us to do them. And so he takes that offering and, and then uh, they made multiple other offerings even along the way they believe believe as well. And so, um, and how are they bringing this into Israel now? It says that they're jumping. 
It says that they're dancing. It says that they're shouting and that all of Israel was joining in. All of Israel was joining in. You love to dance, but you're terrible at it. Anybody? Come on. Love to dance, but you're terrible at it. Come on, put your hands up. I want to see you at the weddings. Come on. I told you a couple weeks ago, I love to dance, and I'm not half bad, okay, but I feel like, you know, TikTok generation is kind of like passing me up, you know, like I, I'm at that point now, I remember my dad a long time ago, he would always do like, you know, this kind of stuff, he'd be like, you know, like, ooh, and he'd be like, ah, and I'm like, dad, what are you doing, you know, that's like a robot and stuff, you know what I mean, like, what is going on, like, that wasn't the cool dance moves, and now I'm doing some other dance moves, and now I'm like, the, oh, man, it's so sad, anyway, I don't even want to talk about it, I just don't, I don't want to talk about it. You know what I'm talking about, though? You're like, you're not good at it, but you love to dance. You're like Albert Brenneman in the movie Hitch. Okay, you ever seen that movie? Will Smith, Kevin James, man. Will Smith is Hitch, and he is trying to teach this dude how to dance, and he is terrible. He's doing all that kind of stuff. He's all like, you know, going like this, and Hitch is just looking at him like, what are you doing? And he finally teaches him. You just got to, this is where you live. Right here, man. This is where you live. Right here. He's like, don't do anything else. Don't do anything crazy, okay? But you know what? This is not how David was dancing. David was not right here. He ain't trying to be cool. He's not trying to do that. And then you know what? I actually have, I have a little video I want to show you guys that actually I think illustrates uh, how David, I think, was dancing in the street. Listen, that's how I picture David dancing in the street. They're going through all of Israel and they got the ark of God and they're just coming in with some confidence, guys. They're like dancing in the street. Everybody around are just having a blast, having a good time, okay? And listen, this is what I want to tell you today is David's running around like a fool. And you know why? It's because praise is not passive. Praise is not passive. It is a verb. It requires action. It doesn't stay silent. Listen, when you realize how good God is, when you realize what he has done in your life and how having his presence in your life brings blessing, favor, and joy, the natural reaction is to praise God. And David knew how to praise because he had seen the blessings of God in his life for his entire life, and he did not want to stay silent. Well, that's just not me, pastor. I'm more of a contemplative worshiper. I like to be at the back of the room. I just stand there. Thank you, Jesus. Appreciate you. You know? I mean, that's fine. Sure, if you want to worship that way, but that's not what we're talking about today. Y'all, we're talking about praise. There is a difference between praise and worship, and I'm going to tell you the difference right here, right now. I'm not going to talk about worship, but I'm going to tell you what praise is, okay? I'm not going to tell you what it's not. I'm going to tell you what it is, and then we're going to look at maybe what it's not in your own life, okay? So there's actually seven Hebrew words for praise. Did you know that? There's seven different words. Now, when you read your Bible, there's, it's obviously translated from multiple different languages, the Old Testament, it's in Hebrew, okay, so we have Hebrew, and there's seven different words. When you read praise, it could have been one of these seven different words. Now, I am not a Hebrew expert, okay? I'm going to butcher the pronunciation of all of these. I should have figured it out beforehand, but I'm just going to guess, and we're going to go with that. Okay, here we go. Should have taken Hebrew in Bible college, all right. I think I can get this one, though. Okay, the first one is halal, and it is the primary Hebrew root word for praise, our word Hallelujah comes from this base word. It means to be clear, to praise, to shine, to boast, to show, to rave, to celebrate, to be clamorously foolish. I like that one. That's a good one. In Psalm 151, it uses praise, halal the Lord, halal God in his sanctuary, halal him in his mighty expanse. Be clamorously foolish for God 
in his sanctuary. Rave for the Lord. Come on. The next one is yada. And it's a verb with a root meaning, the extended hand, to throw out the hand. Therefore, to worship with an extended hand, to lift the hands. You ever wonder why we lift and lift our hands up when we worship? This is why. This is what it's instructing us to do in the Bible is lift your hands. And it's an act of surrender really to God and saying, hey, God, we love you so much. We thank you, Lord. We, we, we just are excited. You know, when you go to a concert or a football game, you know, you don't have to, no one has to tell you to lift your hands, right? What do we do? When something awesome happens, what do we do? We go, yeah, let's go. Come on, come on. We naturally lift our hands. And so this is what that is meaning for us. So extend the hand. And, uh, and the opposite is to bemoan the wringing of the hands. Mm, no, mm-mm, don't want to do it. Psalm 63, 4. So I will bless thee as long as I live. I will yada, which is lift up my hands in your name. The next one, tauda, comes from the same principal root word as yada. And it's used more specifically. Tauda literally means an extension of the hand in adoration, avowal, or acceptance. This is interesting. By way of application, it's apparent in the Psalms and elsewhere that it's used for thanking God for things not yet received, as well as things already at hand. Come on. Have you ever praised God through the middle of your problems? You know what I'm talking about? That you're praising God and just you're praising him, not from a place of where you are, but you're praising him thinking about where that he's taking you. You know what I'm talking about? You got to praise God through the midst of the storm, through the issues, and believe that he's going to take you into the other side, praising him for things that I haven't even seen yet, but I believe that he's going to do it. Psalm 50, 23, whoever offers praise, Tauda glorifies me. To him who orders his conduct aright, I will show the salvation of God. Shabak means to shout, to address in a loud tone, to command, to triumph. Ooh, that's a good one. Oh, clap your hands, all you peoples. You hear that? It's just clap your hands. Come on. Let's get into this. Shout to God. Yes. One in the back. Come on. Shout to God with the voice of triumph. That's a great song. That's a good song that they, they used to sing. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. I grew up on that one. Come on. Um, Psalm 47.1, clap your hands, all you people. Shout to God with the voice of triumph. That's a good one. Barack, as in Obama, means to kneel down. No, that's not, okay. To bless God as an act of adoration, to salute. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Wow, that's beautiful. Zamar means to pluck the strings of an instrument. Come on, I love, I'm a, I'm a worship leader. I've been a worship leader for years. I love to, uh, to play guitar. I play bass. Uh, and so I love plucking the strings, you know, the sixth string, uh, and have a lot of fun with that. And that's a great way that I love to worship God. I've written many worship songs, and there's been times where I'll sit by myself with a guitar, and I'll just play and worship Jesus by myself. And uh, I worship with Oakland sometimes. We'll sit and play worship songs together, and I think it's an amazing thing. Psalm 21, 13, it's be exalted, O Lord, in your own strength. We will sing in praise, Zamar, your power. The last one. I have for you is, and this is the one I really don't know. I feel it's like Tehillah, Tehillah, mm. is derived from the word halal and means the singing of halals to sing or to laud, perceived to involve music, especially singing hymns of the spirit or praise. But you are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. That is the last one there, Psalm 22, 3. Listen, maybe this is not describing the praise that you normally give. This is not the praise that you would normally have in your life. You look at this and you say, well, I don't normally, you know, lift my hands or I don't normally really sing when the songs are on. I just kind of stand there or 
I don't really, I've never kneeled before the Lord before. Barak, I've never kneeled before the Lord. And I've never, I've never done any of these other kinds of things. And, and you know what? Maybe there's one that relates to you in a sense. Maybe you like play guitar and you're like, I've, I've never really used that to praise the Lord before. Listen, if you're anything like me and you know who God is and you know what he's done for you, I don't wanna just have one way to praise him. I don't wanna just have two ways to praise him. Come on, I wanna use all seven ways that I can praise my God because why he is worthy of all seven and even more. Come on, I wanna find new ways to praise my God. Even more than this, I wanna find other ways that I can praise him that's even bigger and even more bold and even more exciting. You know, I'm gonna dance before God. I'm gonna have fun in his presence. I'm gonna lift up his name. I'm gonna kneel down in reverence before him. I'm gonna do all of these things. When I think about who God is, how he's my healer, He's also my deliverer. He's also my provider. He's my friend. He is my king, and he's also my savior. Listen, I can't help but get excited and praise God. Is there anybody with me that's excited to praise God for who he is and what he's done in your life? Get like Mick Jagger and David Bowie. Come on and be a little bit more undignified. Dancing in the street. Come on, let's get into it for Jesus because he has done some great things. But you know, when you start to look like that, when you start to dance, you're gonna have some haters. For sure. Gonna have some haters. You know, there's gonna be some outside people that are gonna hate on you. Really, really, they will. There's gonna be some outside people and you believe in all that stuff? You really do? Man, you're crazy. God isn't real. Are you serious? You, you really believe that Jesus like was real and died on the cross and all that stuff? You believe that for real? Okay. Why are you so into your faith? Why do you post about it on social media? Yo, why, why invite me to church all the time? Do you know I don't believe in that stuff? Come on. But you know what's actually worse than that? The inside hater. That's even worse. All right, you know what I'm talking about? Like you getting after it in worship, you're like down at the front, you're all barocking down at the front, you know, and you're all just like, <laughs> you're like ugly crying and you're like zamaring and all this stuff, you know, like you're like lifting your hands to the Lord and you're just like praising, you're ugly crying and just looking at your snot coming down and everything. And then you like look over to somebody and they're just like. <laughs> okay, weirdo, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like. The inside haters, you feel their eyes are just on you. But you know what you need to learn to do in that moment? I think there's something that you need to learn how to do. Come on, I think we got another one. Shake, shake it off, shake it off. Come on. Break is going up, break, 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 break. You need to learn to shake it off and keep praising. Don't worry about what anybody else says about you when you're praising Jesus. You just keep on praising. You ugly cry at the front. You get down on your knees. You put your hands up in the air like you just don't care. Come on, is somebody going to praise with me today? Come on now. Man, they're, they're, listen, there was a buddy I used to play uh, football with. His name was Storm Woods. Now, if, he, if that is not an NFL football name, I don't know what is, all right? Storm Woods. And so we ran this play one time. We were in practice. And I was a wide receiver, okay? So I'm out here, you know, I'm lined up and ready to go. Uh, and then and the play was, is I was supposed to do an end around, I get the pitch and I come around. And Storm is a, uh, he didn't know the plays on defense at the time and he's a linebacker. And so uh, I do my little, you know, motion here and I take the pitch and I run around. Storm comes, camera. All right, here we go. <laughs> Fast on my feet, okay. Storm comes and I give him a little, 
and I get right around him, okay? And he was mad. Okay, listen, Storm was good. He was a good football player. He went on to be a running back at Oregon State, okay? He was a starting running back at Oregon State. He is a good football player, all right? And so, you know, we were in eighth grade, but the dude was still, I mean, he was just a natural. He was amazing at it. And so uh, he misses me. I felt pretty good about that, okay? You know what I mean? I, I t- I'm going to tell that story to the end of time. Like, I, I juked out Oregon State running back. Sorry. You know, it's no big deal. So anyway, he misses me. He got a hand on me, but I got around him. And so he gets up and he is mad. He said, what's up, dude? You're trying to come at me? Let's go. Run it back. Run it back. And my coach looks at me. He's like, and I was like, let's do it, coach. Let's run it back. He's like, you come at me, bro. You come at me. And I'm like, all right, dude, fine. He's like, you scared? I'm like, no, I'm not scared. Let's do this, man. And so coach was like, all right, let's run it back. The whole team's like, oh, let's go. Let's run it back, you know. Like, and so I get over to my spot. You know, Storm is, is, is the outside linebacker over there. I'm on the other side. And so I know what's about to happen. You know, I'm about to run right at him, okay. We're just going to head on collision. And so I'm like, oh, God, what have I done? <laughs> He's bigger than me. I'm five foot nothing. <laughs> and so he says, hut, I come around and I'm running hard. I'm looking at Storm. Oh God, I take the pitch and I come and we crack helmets right at the line of scrimmage and I fall back and Storm falls on top of me. He's a good tackler and I'm pretty sure I had a concussion. I got, I was just like, oh Lord. He grabs my hand up and he's like, that's what I'm talking about. Actually, it hits me on the head. And then my coach comes by and he's like, that's a good play, boy. Come on, shake it off now. Shake it off. And I was like, whew. All right, Lord, I'm good. All right, okay. I'm shaking it off. All right, let's go to the next play. Let's go to the next play. And listen, sometimes my son, he gets hurt, and I have to remind him to shake it off. Because if he just sits there in the pain, and he just thinks about it, and lets the pain just continue to go, you know it hurts even worse? You ever done that? But sometimes when you just make the mental decision that I'm just going to shake it off, it doesn't bother you anymore. In the same way, that's what I want you all to do when people are looking at you, when you're praising, you feel like people are watching you, when you feel like that you're in pain or you feel like somebody's judging you, whatever it might be, just shake it off and keep moving because you ain't got time to worry about what other people think about you in your worship. <gasps> Woo! Amen? <laughs> worship team, y'all better get back up here because you know we about to praise. Come on up. Come on up. Everybody. Everybody. They're like, wait, me? Yes, all of you. (laughs) Sometimes you just have to have that Mamba mentality, you know what I mean, that David had. He had that Kobe Bryant Mamba mentality. Listen, you got something to say about my praise? Listen, I have something to be thankful for because I know what Jesus has done in my life. And if I look dumb, then who cares, man? I'm going to praise my God anyway because of everything that he has done in my life. And not just because of what he's done, but just simply, honestly, because of who he is. Because he's good and because he's worthy of it. You know what? If I remember right, you know what Paul said in Romans 1.16? I am not ashamed of the gospel. I am not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed to let you people know that Jesus is the Lord and Savior in my life. I'm not ashamed to post it on social media. I'm not ashamed to tell you where I go to church. I'm not ashamed to tell you I go there every Sunday. I'm not ashamed to tell you that I give and that I tithe and that I don't need to have 100% of my income because I believe that God will multiply the 90 to be more than the 100 could. You know what I'm saying? Like, I believe that God can do these things. And why? Because I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. That's why we're not ashamed. It is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. Jesus saved me, and I'm not ashamed to admit that I need a Savior. Would you all stand in this place today?
What happened to the hater? Not good stuff for her. Michael. Annoying. Michelle. Karen, am I right? <laughs> Sorry if her name's Karen. Sorry, mother-in-law, if you're watching. Her name's Karen. <laughs> She's probably going around her whole life like this. Looking at David. How dare you worship like this? Taking off your royal robe and wearing the normal clothes like any other normal Israelite. You're not very distinguished, are you? You're not distinguishing yourself as the king that you are. She had her arms like this. She wasn't worshiping. She wasn't praising. She wasn't joining the party. She wasn't in it. Why? She had a critical spirit. She had a critical spirit. You know what happens when you have a critical spirit your whole life and you don't really learn to ever praise? You're not going to be honored before the Lord. Now, listen, if you have trouble having kids, listen, I want this. This is not a, a jab at you right now, okay? Listen. In that culture, it was very dishonorable to not have children, especially to not have a son, okay? It's very dishonorable, and, but it, that has nothing to do with you. It's not, God's not cursing you or something like that. If you have trouble having kids, that's not what this is about, okay? The point is, is honestly, it, it was a little bit of a diss track, okay? He was saying, hey, listen, like she ain't had no kids. She didn't do anything special in her whole life because she was like this the whole time, and then she died. That's all you ever hear about her. You ain't hear nothing else. You hear a lot about King David, even though he had troubles and he had issues in his life, he was a cheater. He was an adulterer. He killed a dude. And yet you hear a lot about him. What's the difference? Because David wasn't like this, but David learned how to praise God like this. He opened up his heart. He opened up his life to what God had for him. And even in the midst of his struggles, even in the midst of his pain, even in the midst of the hard times and his failures, he always came back to this position right here. And listen, we care more about what the haters think than what God thinks. When I'm down at the front, we had a worship night the other night, I was right here at the front and I was just, I had my face to the ground. I have bad knees and I'm, I don't even care. I'm right on the tile. It doesn't even bother me. I just put my knees right on the ground. I just laid down. I felt the Lord tell me I had a hat on and I felt the Lord tell me to throw my hat down on the ground just as a symbol of throwing my crown before him. So I threw my hat down before him and then the next song ended up, uh, it was a song that basically said, we, you know, we lay down our crowns before you. And I was like, wow, isn't that awesome? Like, that's crazy. And I, I had just felt that, that need to do that and then it was confirmed that the Lord was telling me to do that through the next song that we played. And I didn't care what anybody else thought about me, man. Like, I don't care. I'll stand at the front, I'll praise. I'll stand at the back and praise. I'll sit in the chair over there. I'll come up here. I'll, it doesn't matter. I don't care what anybody thinks. You know why? Because I needed Jesus in my life. It was personal to me. I went to church my whole life and I had it probably about as good as you could. You know, I had Christian parents who are here today. They're serving and helping. My whole family is right back there. And um, went to church my whole life. I was a worship leader. I started when I was young. I had been a singer and guitar player and so I started leading worship at 15 in chapels, and then all throughout high school I led, I started to go to Bible college, but then I had about eight months where I really just turned away from God. I'd moved back home, and I was running away from God's call in my life. I would go to church on Sunday mornings, but then on Friday and Saturday, I was out on the square. I know a lot of you guys maybe have that same story if you're from around here. 
out at the bars, hanging out, partying, thinking that that was what was gonna fulfill me, thinking that maybe I could do both, right? That I could dip into a little bit of what God had for me and also dip into a little bit of what the world had for me. But then the Lord had to slap me upside the head and remind me who I was. That's that I was a son of God. He had a plan for me that was much better than the plan that this world had for me, that, that alcohol and girls and all these other things weren't gonna be enough for me, that I needed to submit my life and surrender my life back to him. And that if I did, that he would take me to places that I could never go on my own. And look where I'm at today. Look where we're at today. All because I made a decision to give my life back to Jesus. Well, this church wouldn't be born. This, none of us would be here right now. We might not even know each other. Had I not said yes to Jesus, and listen, it's not about me, but I want to encourage you, what if you said yes to Jesus? Who would know him because of you? What could God do in your life if you would just give your life back to him? Or maybe for the first time, maybe you've never been to church before. You know, I know a ton of people that grew up Catholic that are in our church. They grew up Catholic, but it never really meant anything to them. It's just being honest. Like they, they'll say that. It never really meant anything to me. But then they come to Radical and they say, you know what? I just felt, I felt something, man. Like, I don't know what it is. Listen, let me tell you, that's the Holy Spirit. That's God's presence who's resting on you right now. Remember what I said earlier about the presence of God? What happens when it rests on you and rests on your household? What does it bring? Blessing and favor. Do you want that in your life? Because I know I sure do. I need the presence of God. I need the Holy Spirit to lead me and guide me every day. I need that. It's not a want. It's not an option for me. I've seen God do too many things in my life to ever turn away from him now. And listen, I want that same thing for you. I want every single one of us to leave this place today knowing that we're in a right relationship with God. Even if you still have stuff in your life, you still got sin, don't worry about it. Listen, God will cleanse you. He will take your sin. He will throw it as far as the east is from the west. And he is going to make you a new creation today if you would give your life to him. I believe it. Do you? Jesus died for you and died for me. And listen, when I praise, it's personal because of what I've been through. And I want you to praise because it's personal to you. Some of y'all need Jesus to save you today. Okay, I'm just being real. Some of y'all need to come back to Jesus today. You've been running like I was when I was younger. You need to come back to him. And you know if that's you, you know it is. I, don't run from it anymore. Because you know what? God is running after you. Even if you're running far away from him, he runs faster than you. Isn't that funny? He'll catch up to you. You know what? He's catching up to you right now. This is him catching up to you currently. You need to give your life back to Jesus today. And listen, I promise you, there will be favor and blessing that will come. Is your life going to be perfect? No. But you're going to be able to have the joy that we talked about two weeks ago, that nothing will phase you because you have God on your side. And if I have God on my side, ain't nothing going to get me down. Amen? Our mission is to help people experience God's radical love for them. And I want you to experience that love today. So listen, if that's you, you say, you know what? I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me. Listen, I've been far away from God and I just need to say yes to him today. I need to give my life back to him. Would you just do me a favor and be bold right now in this moment? Come on, just be bold. Be like David, get undignified. Would you just lift your hand on the count of three and say yes to Jesus today? And we want to pray for you. We're not going to make you get out of your seat or anything. I just want to pray for you right where you're at. One, two, three. Is that you today? You want to give your life back to Jesus? Come on, I see you. I see you at the back, my man. Is there anybody else? Let me see you. Let me see your hand. I see you, boy. I see you. Come on. Let's go. Hey, there's a few people that said yes to Jesus today. Come on, can we give God praise for that? Amen, amen. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you. We lift you up, God. We praise your name.